Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, growing in the organizing and productivity profession brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Every episode, we will learn from NAPO members and subject matter experts as they share their successes, challenges, best practices, proven strategies, industry developments, and more. Please welcome our host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Stand Out, the podcast all about growing in the organizing and productivity industry. My name is Sarah Karakayan, professional organizer and your host. Today, we're going to niche down. We're going to talk about working with seniors and downsizing and to give us their expertise so that maybe you can add this service to your list of services or maybe you're looking to shift to work with this demographic as well. We have Jocelyn Kenner, who's a member of NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals and ICD, the Institute for Challenging Disorganization. She launched her organizing business, See Your Way Clear, in 2007. So she's been at this for quite a while, where she specializes in working with seniors and downsizing. A strong believer in volunteerism, Jocelyn donates time to organizations related to the organizing industry, such as board secretary for ICD and is the ICD ambassador to the NAPO New York chapter. She is currently a co-leader for NAPO's special interest group, so we also call those SIGs, working with seniors in addition to being an active member of the New York State chapter of NAPO. Jocelyn is involved with the NAPO neighborhood group in Westchester County, where she lives. In addition to working with clients in their homes, Jocelyn enjoys teaching about organizing via adult education courses and presenting workshops to various groups. She most recently presented her class, Organizing a Lifetime's Worth of Possessions, to three different senior groups. Jocelyn has been interviewed and quoted in numerous publications. When she's not working in her business or volunteering for ICD or NAPO, you can find Jocelyn hanging out with her family. She enjoys singing and performing, tending to her garden, crafting, or catching a concert and or Broadway show in New York City. So Jocelyn, welcome to our show. Uh, Thank you so much, Sarah. We are so excited to have you and talk about this. It's a growing uh, demographic with the baby movers kind of moving along here. And I know that it's a really great opportunity to work with some really wonderful people. So I'm excited to pick your brain. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. So while my intro does give us a little insight into you, why don't you tell our listeners who are at various stages of their business, how you got to owning your own business in 2007. So maybe what happened before then and how did you kind of transition to where you are today? Yeah, I started out, my professional life began as an educator. I was trained as an elementary school teacher and I taught at a private school in the Bronx for 12 years. Then I went and was part owner in an educational entertainment company called Mad Science, where I delivered interactive hands-on science programs to children in after-school programs, birthday parties, you name it. So I've always loved to be in front of people and teaching them of various ages. But I realized that I was not born organized, and that was a big aha for me. I come from a very large family, and we had a lot of fun, and there was always art and music and joy in the family, but there was no organization. (laughs) And it was when I became a classroom teacher that I was like, whoa, I really have to be organized. Like, I have to keep to a schedule. And I realized that these were learnable skills. 
And not to sound corny, but when I was a young mom and I, I was really thirsting after, how do I become organized? Because <laughs> you have to be organized when you're juggling a career and you're juggling a home. And I found Fly Lady, believe it or not. And Fly Lady sort of was my first organizing teacher. And then, of course, I read Julie Morgenstern's books. And I was so delighted to find out that she wasn't actually born organized either. And she's probably such the best-known spokesperson for our industry. But anyway, I learned how to become organized, and it changed my life. It really changed my life. And I said, hey, I know how to teach, so I'm going to take this a step further, and I'm going to share the wisdom of organizing with people. And that's how I started my business. I love that because sometimes people think when they're in shoes like yours, where they didn't know the skill and they Mm -hmm. learned it from someone else who has a following and they've kind of been at it for a while and they love it so much. And they think about then spreading it to others and teaching, but sometimes people stop there and they're like, well, if someone else is already doing it, then how can I, you know, belong in this industry when someone's already doing it so well? But Mm -hmm. I think you're proof that, You learn from two different, I'll call them, you know, influential professionals in the organizing and productivity industry. And I'm sure you learned that they had two different teaching styles and they had different things that they kind of brought to the forefront. And so I just want our listeners to really pay attention to that, that there is enough room for all of us to have our own take on this industry and to share that knowledge with with clients. Oh, you're absolutely right about that. And it's interesting because also I think that we need to When we work with organizing clients, we have to treat them that way. There's not a cookie cutter client. They're all different and they all come to us with their own unique personality and their unique needs and goals. And that was something that when I was an an elementary school teacher, I knew that I had these 20 little faces looking at me every morning, (laughs) but each of them was going to absorb what I had to teach them in a different way. And I had to sort of know how was I going to reach them. I put a lot of those skills towards my clients as well, my organizing clients. Now, that's interesting. You worked with, you know, young individuals. And now I know you do a lot of different residential organizing jobs, but you really do specialize in organizing for seniors and downsizing. So how did you find yourself in that niche? Was it on purpose? Was it kind of on accident? Yeah, no, it was totally by accident. In fact, I just, you know, just before I was going to get on this call, I said, I'm just going to count up how many of my current clients are seniors. And I realized that 75% of them are seniors. So no, I did not seek them out per se. I mean, I will say that in all the years that I've been in the industry, I've always attracted people who are in some kind of transition. Either their children are going off to school or they just became parents for the first time. But more lately, it's, it's uh, people have become a widow, children are gone off, there's a divorce. I mean, they're all going through some kind of personal transition and they just need more support and they need more guidance and they need someone there to say, you can do it and I'm going to show you how, that kind of thing. But I think because I love to teach so much and I do a lot of public speaking and I do teach a lot of continuing ed and adult courses, a lot of the people that come to those are seniors. Uh, Maybe because they have more free time, maybe because they want to learn how to do these things finally, but many of them then become clients. So again, I would have never said this is my niche, seniors, but it just sort of evolved very naturally. And I was asked to um, help out with the special interest group working with seniors. I jumped on board because I do love to volunteer and I know that it makes 
every experience for me better, I think. But I don't, you know, like I'm not a certified senior advisor. And there are some people in NAPO who are. I am not a senior move manager, but there are people who are. But yet I think that I do have some of those skills, but I would never put myself out there as like, I'm the expert. But we all can become experts at these things. It's just, do we choose to? Right. We can go and get those certifications. We can go and get the training and take the courses. I still feel like I'm a bit of a generalist. And for years, I've been haunted by the fact like, oh, I don't have a niche. I don't have a niche. And, but I always wanted to be a generalist. I wanted to be a residential organizer. But it has, as I said before, it just evolved into being mostly with seniors. But I pull on all my organizing skills when I work with them. I really do. Well, it's interesting sometimes too. I think a lot of listeners can relate to you and what you just said is, you know, what is my niche? Everyone talks about needing to niche down and the riches are in the niches and all that kind of stuff. I recognize that. and I respect that. Sometimes we stop freaking out about what our niche is and like where we're going to be, you know, three, five, 10 years down the road. And I'm all about visualizing and planning. But at the same time, if we kind of just do our thing, do what we're really good at, sometimes our niche presents itself to us. If we just kind of, you know, sit back and put our head down and do good work. And obviously, you know, you've been recognized by your peers as someone who knows a lot about this demographic. And we want to learn from you because they've kind of gravitated towards you naturally instead of it being something that maybe you've put out there on purpose, which I think is, is very special and something we can all learn from as well. Yeah, thank you. And so I also want our listeners to know, so a special interest group or a SIG is within the NAPO organization. So if you want to learn more about a niche, there are several different SIGs if you are a NAPO national member that you can get involved in. And so can you talk to us a little bit, Jocelyn, about what this SIG that you help organize and manage what listeners, if they were to join it, what they could get out of it? Right. Well, our title for this particular special interest group is Working with Seniors. And we have a phone meeting eight times a year. Actually, we have it seven times a year because the eighth time is we do a face-to-face meeting when we're at the NAPO conference, which is great. I love to see the faces of my colleagues who have only been voices to me. (laughs) However, I should say that just this past month, a free conference call, which is the platform that we use to have these calls with, has introduced video. So we just started to do video conferencing, and that's very exciting to see the faces of the people, you know, all across the country who all are interested in working with seniors, all have wonderful knowledge and experience and wisdom to bring to the table, and it is just the most terrific sharing with one another of ideas and solutions and things like that. And we've had some really terrific speakers. If I could, Sarah, I just want to give a shout out to some of our our own NAPO members who have been outstanding speakers for us. We had Sarah Getskin just presented a workshop on an organized life after death. Catherine Anderson did a workshop on depression in the elderly. Linda Schrager, she didn't do the workshop, but she's a NAPO member. And she wrote a book called Age in Place, A Guide to Modifying, Organizing, and Decluttering Mom and Dad's Home. And we actually did a book club discussion on that book. Jill Yesko did Home Inventory Basics. So this SIG, it's like, it's wonderful because you get so much information And we do try to tap the expertise within our own NAPO community. 
But sometimes we have speakers from outside, you know, geriatric care managers have spoken, people who specialize in Alzheimer's. Yeah, but we have these classes, they're once a month. And we don't tend to have them in November and December and then July and August just because those are tricky months to coordinate schedules with. But. So it sounds like a great opportunity to network with others across our country who are very interested mm-hmm. in this demographic. And you also not only get to network with each other and be a support system for each other, but you also get to learn new ways of getting from A to Z with your clients. Yes, absolutely. And there's wonderful sharing. You know, we, we do try to, in addition to having the presentation on most calls, we do try to have roundtable discussions and sharing. And then, of course, there is the point community, because when you're a member of a SIG, you do have access to the point discussions, and you can raise questions and concerns within that community and discuss it with your fellow members. So just in case our listeners are not members of NAPO, can you explain what the point community is? Oh, sure. Um, It's sort of like the inside way we all communicate with one another. I I want to use the word intranet, but I don't know if that's the right word. I think that's kind of what I would say too. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, anyone can go to the NAPO website and learn about the profession and there's resources to share, but only NAPO members can log into the special behind the scenes kind of deal and, you know, have access to a tremendous amount of resources. So, and, and that's where our point community is for members only. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So now let's say our listeners are hooked. They're like, okay, there is obviously a demographic here with seniors and downsizing and that age group. So you kind of already mentioned it, but can we kind of focus on what are some ways that organizers, and I'm sure even some productivity specialists can position themselves to attract seniors as clients? Ooh, well, I mean, I would say talk, get out there and make presentations, go to your local library. There are so many uh, senior groups now, at least in the New York area where I live, there's a lot of these age in place communities. And, you know, you might even go to the National Council on Aging, which is a website, and you can look up and see if there's any in your particular geographical area. There's another good website called the Senior Resource Guide. And that also has local and national resources for working with seniors. And then caring.com is another good resource. But I really, I mean, I think it's the talking or if you're lucky enough to get interviewed by a local paper, you know, talk about your ability to help people with decades of accumulation, or maybe they, you know, their children have just moved out or they're thinking of downsizing and but they're like a deer in headlights, like, what do I do with all this stuff? You know, let people know that you have those skills and you can help them. I love that. So you want to go where the clients kind of already Mm -hmm. go, maybe provide some free education. And while I think a lot of people get nervous that they're, you know, quote unquote, giving it away (laughs) at the same time, sometimes people have the knowledge, but like you said, they want another support system. They want someone there to help them. Maybe their kids don't live where they Mm. live or they just feel kind of overwhelmed that you are an educated professional who can help them get there a bit faster and with, you know, well, you hit on two really important points right then. You said 
that you're speaking for free. And you are. In most cases, you are speaking for free. And my advice to everyone is just think of it as if it's a marketing expense. I mean, sometimes I do get paid, but most of the times I don't. But am I passing out business cards? And I do a raffle where I ask everyone to give me their name and email. And I have a little box that said, you know, would you like me to contact you for help in your home? And then I collect all that and I give a raffle prize. And But I also add those people to my weekly newsletter because I it's really more like a weekly organizing tip. So I've had people that have called me, you know, two years after they came to hear me talk, but because I keep emailing them every week, I use constant contact, but there are a lot of other programs you can use out there. But anyway, so yeah, that's my advice. Talk for free. Don't be hung up in that you're not getting paid for your time because it's just think of it as if you're investing in a marketing ad. And then the other thing is you mentioned their kids are not around. In many ways, I do feel like a surrogate child to some of my clients (laughs) because their children are across the country. And sometimes, and I don't want to sound melancholy, but sometimes I'm the only person that crosses their threshold each week. You know, nobody else is coming into their home oftentimes. So I'm not only there to bring ideas and energy and inspiration, but I'm company. And I think that one of the things you have to realize when you work with seniors is that there is, in some cases, a tremendous amount of loneliness. And in some cases, some depression too, because they've lost a spouse or they're having health issues and they're not able to be the person they once were. They can't drive anymore or, you know, they don't hear as well, or their friends are passing away, you know, so these are all realities for them. And I think we need to be aware of their special circumstances. So I'll never forget, I went to see a new client, and she hired me because she had heard me speak. And when I got there, she had the table set up with tea and little biscuits. And she's like, Oh, I want you to come and sit and have some tea and we'll get to know each other. And I'm thinking, no, but I have to accomplish something like I have to make a closet better, or I have to, you know, I have to make your life better. But really, what she needed was someone to just come in and sit and talk with her. And I was able to sort of do my first time assessment while having tea and biscuits with her. But you know, sometimes it's just they need your companionship as well. So don't underestimate the value of that. Absolutely. And you said something else there too, that, you know, going back to the speaking for free before that, you know, you said, if you're lucky enough, you can get interviewed by a local TV station or a publication. And honestly, I feel like it's less luck and it's more of you putting yourself out there as an industry expert, Mm. no matter what you're speaking on and really just being confident that you have tips and tricks and education to bring to your community that, you know, media publications recognize that. And they're always looking for content and things to share and they want to speak to the industry professionals. So listeners, especially if you're new, I mean, or even if you're seasoned, get out into your community, be that Mm -hmm. expert. And you will see that people will start to notice that your name keeps popping up at the local library or at those events where you're expertise can really be of added value to whoever's putting on the classes or what have you. So also, Jocelyn, you know, unfortunately, I feel like this demographic is the first demographic to get taken advantage of by professionals. And so I'm sure having a trusted resource like yourself and having, you know, prior engagement with the senior community 
helps them feel safe when they're with you. And then you can connect them to other professionals and resources who you know and trust so they can get other things accomplished in their lives a little bit easier. Oh, absolutely. And I certainly hope that that is the feeling that they get from me. Absolutely. That's my intention always. So before we move on to the next half of our interview, we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from NAPO. But when we return, I now want to talk to Jocelyn about what the experience is actually like working with these individuals and what tips she has for you listeners on how it might be a little bit different from working with other age demographics. So we will be right back. The National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals is proud to offer NAPO University courses in various formats to accommodate different learning styles and further your education when and how you wish. For the entire course catalog, visit napo.net slash education. And to join NAPO, visit napo.net slash join. All right, we are back and I've got Jocelyn Kenner here with me and we are digging deep into that niche of senior organizing and downsizing. So Justin, I want to talk to you now about what it's like to actually be in these spaces with senior citizens. I mean, we treat them like they're so different, but I'm wondering what is different from working with people who are seniors versus working with people who are not? And what are some tips and tricks and things that maybe you learned along the way that you wish you would have known before that first meeting with the first senior citizen that you worked with? Hmm. Well, their tempo is very different. So if Mm. I'm working with a young mom or I'm working with a professional woman and she's hired me to come in on the weekends because she works a nine to five job during the week, the tempo is much faster. And that client is usually very hands-on with me, moving the things around, picking stuff up. It's very collaborative. The tempo with the senior is totally different. They're usually not going to help because, A, they shouldn't because they could get hurt. And, you know, they like to direct what's going on. So one of the things that was a hard adjustment for me, well, not hard, but it was just like I wasn't, again, it comes down to my productivity as an organizer. I wasn't accomplishing as much with my senior appointments as I was with the other clients. But that's okay because, you know, again, they couldn't help. They weren't hands-on. And a lot of times they want to talk about things. You know, you're going through decades often of items in their home. And these things spark memories and stories. And you want to be respectful of those memories and stories. So you have to give them some time to express, you know, what this means to them. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to let somebody go on and on. I'm the one directing what's happening in the session, but you just have to realize it's a completely different tempo. I know listeners are going to be thinking about this question. And while you don't have to give us your specific business details, but how does that affect pricing? Do you feel like for you, you've experienced that maybe package pricing is better so then you don't feel like you have to rush to accomplish something and you can take your time and that you know, is your time valued differently for the different tempos? Or what would you give organizers listening out there who are about to embark on working with seniors and and how to maybe approach that? Excellent question, Sarah. I personally don't like packaging. Mm -hmm. I've I've found it to be tricky to, to keep track of as for bookkeeping purposes. So that's just me. Yeah. And I am 
a solo practitioner. I don't have a staff of people. I'm lucky that I have a huge group of highly competent colleagues in the New York area that if I had a bigger job and they were available, I could call them and they would come in and work with me. But I am a solo person. So I do keep my price the same, whether, Mm -hmm. no matter what age group. However, and I'm glad you asked that question because it reminded me that there is another difference. I often say that I will only work with someone for a minimum of three hours, but I have found that my seniors, they get really tired. So I've had to adjust my expectation and I only work usually for two hours with them, but I do ask that we work on a more consistent basis. So if we can make an appointment once a week and have a standing appointment with each other and it's something they can look forward to and I can look forward to and there's not a lot of time in between projects for us to pick up where we left off. You know, they have, some of them like to volunteer. They have many more medical appointments than someone, perhaps your clients who are in their 30s and 40s. So they want to fit their medical appointments around you. So you know, that was another adjustment I had to make. Like, it's okay to just have two-hour appointments because that's really as much focus and energy as they can give. No, I love that because I know even if listeners, you say, well, that I can understand where Jocelyn's coming from, but I feel this way. At least it's got your wheels turning and Jocelyn is giving you kind of like the inside scoop and what works for her and that that way you can kind of tailor it to whatever is working for you. But I think that's, I love that you're kind of valuing your time consistently, Jocelyn, but still giving a little give and take to their, I love how you called it a tempo and really knowing what that demographic needs in order to succeed. We're not going to get very far if we tire them out and you know at our you know two hours and 15 minutes they're just they're just done mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it's important for us as professionals to really recognize that and do what we can to put them in the you know the best light for success yeah and sometimes it's also you have to stop them and say you know why don't you stop and go get something to drink something cold to drink or some orange juice you know raise your blood sugar or whatever you like you know you do fit in some quick little breaks and change of scenery, so to speak. I have one gentleman that I work with and he's a diabetic. And most times when I've gotten there and I've been seeing him for a number of years, he forgets to eat. And so one of the first things I say to him is, have you ordered, because he doesn't cook for himself. I'm like, have you ordered food yet? He's like, oh, (laughs) right, right. But I should. I'm like, and now I've gotten smart. And I'm like, and why don't you order something for dinner and you can just keep it in your refrigerator? He's like, oh, that's a great idea. (laughs) You know, because sometimes they do forget to hydrate. And when they're, when any of us are dehydrated, we just don't function as well. Our brains are not going to be as sharp. But especially with seniors, the dehydration or the lack of nutrition can really affect them mentally. So that's another thing I just sort of work into the conversation when I'm with them. I love that. You also provided, so we ask our interviewees to provide, you know, what are some tips that they want to make sure we talk about? And one thing you provided, Jocelyn, was to arrange your senior clients' spaces to ensure physical safety. So can you dig into that a little bit more so our listeners can kind of think about that when they enter the home of a senior citizen? Right. So I get so anxious when I see these little area rugs or these little mats that are in certain places in their homes, because to me, they're just a a huge tripping hazard. And I will very respectfully and politely say, you know, I know that people have fallen, you know, do you really need this? Or how is this helping you? I know it's a beautiful mat you have here, but I'm so worried about you falling and injuring yourself. I mean, I always lead with respect, always. 
I'm never, you know, demanding of anything. It's always very collaborative. But I do try to get them to remove as many of these little area rugs as they can. I make sure, I try to help them make sure that the lighting is good in the rooms. And then, of course, the obvious thing is, you know, is there clutter in their way? Are there things on the staircase that they could trip over? Yeah, these are all great things. I'm assuming it's intuitive when you work with someone in their home, but certainly with seniors, you want to make sure that there are no tripping hazards and there's enough light and that handles are easy for them to maneuver because, you know, they do get arthritis as they get older. Are things placed where they can reach them? I don't want a 90-year-old climbing on a step stool. That's not safe for anybody. So let's relocate things so that you don't have to climb on something. So it's more within your prime real estate of reaching for it rather than climbing up for it. These are great because I feel, especially if we're younger, we may not think of these things as being things that can make their lives easier. And they may not either. Sometimes when you face the same, oh, I got to get my step stool to get my favorite mug. Mm -hmm. It's just part of your routine Mm -hmm. that an outsider coming in, if we can kind of think about these things and how we can make their spaces easier to access, safer, you're just adding value to their quality of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is really important. And I do share with them, you know, not stories of other clients per se, but I'll share them personal stories of, oh, and when my mother fell and then this happened, or when my mother-in-law, when this happened, you know, just so that it, and I'm not making them up. I mean, these are real stories, but it brings a personal connection. Like I'm not just here to bully you or to make you change the way you've been living for 40 years. I'm, I'm, I'm here with care and with concern because I want you to be safe. And, you know, a lot of times our seniors end up leaving the home they've lived in because of a fall and because they then have to go into rehab and then they get moved into an assisted living. And then, you know, it just seems, I don't know, falling seems to be the key downward spiral for seniors. And so I'm very aware of that and I want to make it safe for them. That's a great tip. What are some big misconceptions maybe organizers or productivity specialists or other professionals have about working with seniors that you've found to be not true? Or maybe there's things that you want our listeners to really understand before they get involved in in this age demographic. I think when we meet a senior citizen, you know, what we're seeing is a person who doesn't move that much, um, is slower, might have certain physical handicaps. I want to remember who that person was when they were vital, when they were either my age, when they were in their 20s. You know, what was their career? What were their contributions? What excited them when they could actually take action on something? Because, you know, just like when I was an elementary school teacher and I was looking at the whole child, I want to look at the whole adult. I don't want to just look at this person who sits in a chair while I'm there and is very kind, but isn't really active with me. You know, there was a whole mm-hmm. life behind that person. And I really, I try to understand what that whole life was and what their interests were and what their passions were. Because it's important to remember that. I love you have a holistic mm-hmm. approach to each of your clients. And I'm sure each, I mean, I know that each senior citizen is different from the next. I mean, I know senior citizens who are a certain age and they are in the chair kind of just chilling Mm -hmm. (laughs) for for the time being. And then those are senior citizens who I knew are still running, you know, half marathons. And you're like, what? (laughs) 
No, they're all obviously like every other human in this world. We're all very different. We kind of have to be looked at with a fresh eye each and every time. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Before we get to our last question, this actually just popped in my head. So I want to go back for a moment. You mentioned email marketing, which I love. My question to you is working with seniors, do you have to get creative with your marketing to remind them that you're there? Do you find that actually senior citizens are active on email or is it not really a big concern because you kind of built your business up that word of mouth is enough? What are your thoughts when it comes to technology and reaching out to senior citizens? Right. Excellent question. So (laughs) I know that a lot of my senior citizens are comfortable with email and I love it when some of them have their smartphones and they're actually texting. That's wonderful. And some of them are on Facebook, but they are not on Instagram. And I know, and I fight with myself because I know a lot of my organizing colleagues are using Instagram. It is so visual. It's so great. But I'm like, yeah, but that my, my clientele is not on Instagram, at least not yet. I don't know. They, you know, maybe the seniors in five years will be because they're used to it. But the seniors now they're on Facebook and they do email. I make sure that my emails are big fonts. And I don't stuff too much into an email. I try to make it short and sweet. And, you know, in terms of technology, whenever I can, I try to show them little shortcuts, like how to use the microphone on their smartphone to record things rather than trying to type things. And I have a friend, and I actually, this was one of my blog posts. She was a guest blog post writer for me because she has, her mom is legally blind, but she's able to live on her own. But my friend uses Alexa to like set up her schedule and get her shopping list. I mean, it's amazing what my friend has done to utilize technology to help her mother live independently. Um, it's, it's really fascinating. I mean, I'm sure that's a whole other niche within a niche of helping seniors either tackle technology enough mm-hmm. to make their life a little bit more pleasant or communicating with their children or their caretakers who maybe aren't right. in town or are in town, whatever, and helping that technology work for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And of course, you know, we know how unfortunately seniors are prey to a lot of these scams. Yes. Whether they're on the phone or on the email. And, you know, you do try to educate them about that as well. You know, that's something that I know that I'm not going to have the answer to everything, but I try to have a very robust resource list. So if I see that a senior is having issues with technology, I have you know, in my back pocket, a few very skilled technology people that I can put them in touch with. I'm not a daily money manager. So if I find that the simple bill paying that I'm doing with them and filing is getting, you know, if there's a greater need that's beyond my scope, I'm going to put them in touch with a daily money manager. So I never let my ego get in the way of what's best for them. As I said in the beginning, you know, I'm a generalist, but you know, I have this great list of resources and I want them to have the best that they can have. So if it's something that's beyond my skill set, I'm going to put them in touch with the right person. Well, I think that adds value to you as a professional too, Jocelyn, because you have that vast sea of resources, you know, belonging to NAPO, belonging to ICE, belonging to all of these organizations where you now have a network of other professionals that if you don't know them, they know them and they can get you in mm-hmm. touch with them for your client. And that's why I tell people all the time, like there's value 
in that. There is value in belonging to organizations. There is value in volunteering and meeting other people in the community and the industry because the more you know, the more people you can put into contact with each other. And that Absolutely. is yeah. that is valuable. I mean, I, I know all the time if I'm looking for something, there are people that I go to and I know that person's going to know the person that I need. And that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yes. So absolutely. if you could leave our listeners with two high impact pieces of advice to maybe put into their business today as it relates to working with seniors and downsizing, what are two pieces of advice you would leave our listeners with? I've kind of covered them already, but one, of course, is just understand that the tempo is really going to be different. So don't expect to have the same kind of finished products as you do with your younger clients. These projects are going to take longer and that's okay. You know, physical safety, you know, we're in there. As I said, sometimes I'm the only person that comes in that home all week. So if I have to have my eagle eyes out to make sure that their physical safety is taken care of whenever possible. I love that. Where can our listeners find out more about you and stay connected with you, Jocelyn? Um, I have a website. It's seeyourwayclear.com. You know, you can look me up in the, on the NAPL website, the ICD website, but yeah. And I love to talk to new organizers too. I've had many, many organizers reach out to me, some in their 30s, some in their 60s, and I just love talking to them Because I will tell you that when I first came into the industry back in 2007, there were other Naples people that took time and had coffee with me and brought me on and let me do some, you know, assist on some jobs. And boy, did that make all the difference. It really did. It's a wonderful organization. We have tremendous resources within our Napo community. Tap into them because they're there for the taking. I thank you for your time today and also opening up your arms to other organizers. And I think that's important, whether you want to belong to NAPO or if you want more information about what a special interest group is. I know that Jocelyn is your woman. So what can you do today, listeners, this week to make a change in your business for the better? The reason you're tuning in each week is because you want to learn more. Maybe you want to pivot in your business. Maybe you want to start that business. So now that you're all fired up and Jocelyn has given you some really great ideas about this, niche. What can you do to make a change to get that step forward? And that's our job here at Stand Out. I'm Sarah Karakayan and that wraps up this episode. Thanks for being here with me and learning with me. If you like this podcast, if you're able to walk away with any sort of inspiration or something valuable, please leave us a review and hit that subscribe button. That helps us to know that we're doing a great job over here. We want to reach as many organizing and productivity professionals as possible. So in addition to subscribing and leaving us that review, please feel free to share this and every episode with your colleagues, your team, and whoever else might benefit. I look forward to hanging out with you next time and I'll talk to you then. That's all for today's episode of Stand Out, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.